Amen. All right. Go ahead and go to Luke 19 tonight. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start reading in verse 11 of Luke 19. It says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass when he was returned and having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading then came the first and said, Lord, thy, ten pound, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said to him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou over five cities. Another came and said, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I fear thee, because thou art an austere man, and thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that, that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give to him that hath ten pounds. And I'll stop reading right there. And uh, the title of my message tonight is Occupying Till he comes. You'll notice when he uh, gets these servants together, he makes that statement to him in verse 13. He says, Occupy till I come. So the, the reason he's telling this parable, these people, they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought it was going to come right then. The truth is, they didn't understand that, you know what, there was actually some things that needed to be done first. Jesus had to take care of some business on the cross, and he did that, but also, it was clear that God wanted the gospel to go to the whole world. He wanted to give the rest of the world a chance. And the truth is, while they didn't understand it all, Jesus was going to be leaving. And while he was gone, he was going to want his servants to occupy. He was going to want them to stay behind. And, while, and then while they were here on this earth, they were supposed to be doing some things. And that's where we're at right now. We are in the occupying stage. We're waiting for the Master to return. We're waiting for His kingdom uh, for Him to come and set up His kingdom on this earth. We're waiting to be judged after He returns or after we are raptured. The Bible says we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be judged according to the things that we did in our body to see what kind of rewards we get, to see what kind of position that we have in His kingdom. And so it's very important that we be uh, doing His will and doing His service during this time. You know, Hopefully you're not one of these people that all you're worried about doing is just getting into heaven. And, you know, if you want to just get into heaven, that's fine. You can get into heaven not doing any works. You can get into heaven just having faith in Jesus Christ. But if you want to actually uh, do some things in His kingdom, if you want to get some rewards, you better do some occupying. You better start keeping His commandments and doing the things that He said to do. And that word occupy, it just means to take possession. Is one, is one definition. Uh, you know, it says, the, uh, it, it says, or to keep in possession, to possess, or to hold or keep for use. Okay, have you ever watched something for somebody? Has anybody ever told you to, hey, can you, you know, watch my car? Alright, you know, that doesn't mean you can go, it's now yours, and you can just do whatever you want with it. Or have you ever had maybe watched somebody's house for them? Okay? And when you watch somebody's house, or even if you watch somebody's car, a lot of times with that, there's certain permission that's granted with that, you know? If you're watching somebody's house, they might let you stay in it. They might even let you have a guest. They let you eat from the refrigerator. But you shouldn't do anything that they wouldn't want you doing or that they did not authorize you to do. Same thing. If I tell you, hey, watch my car while I'm gone, you know, while I'm gone, you know, you can drive it and all that. Just, you know, but that doesn't mean you can go wreck it. Doesn't mean you can go sell it. You know, there's, there's some, there's some stipulations there. And as believers, we are here on earth occupying some things. We're not just sitting around waiting for him to come back, doing nothing. He has left us with some things. Okay, There are some things that he has left us with, some things that we are to occupy, some things that we're to put to use. And so we don't just sit around waiting for his return. 
That's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. Okay, we should be very busy right now doing some things until he comes back. And the truth is the way we wait for his return, the way we are ready for his return is we are busy doing what we're supposed to do. It's kind of like when you're at work, you know, when you're working hard and you're following the rules, you know, you're ready for the boss to show up. You know, you're ready for the boss to see what you're doing. Okay, it's when you're goofing off that you don't want the boss to show up. When you're breaking the rules, when you're doing something you shouldn't do, that's when you have a problem. And so, you know, we're supposed to be busy right now. This is a working time that we're in. And you've got people out there too. You know, you've got these super spiritual people. All right? I, don't know about you, I don't like the super spiritual people. All right? It's not that I have a problem with being super spiritual. It's just these super spiritual people are not as spiritual as they think they are. And therefore, they are just annoying. But, you know, they've got this attitude too that, you know, they're always just looking for Jesus to come. Their mentality is they're just, they're just sitting around waiting. You know, they're just, I mean, literally, that's what they're doing. Or they'll take this attitude, you know, I'm just sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, I don't want to be like Martha, you know, who is cumbered about with much serving. I want to be like Mary that was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so, you know, I just read my Bible all day. I, I go to church and I listen to the preaching. But other than that, I really don't do anything else. I spend a lot of time praying, you know. I pray for 14 hours a day. So like that. Hey, you know, that's great if you pray a lot, but we're supposed to be working right now. Let's look at a few of these verses too that sometimes super spiritual people will try to use to as an excuse for them just being lazy, I think. But in Luke 10:38 it says now as it came to pass as they went and entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about with much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. All right, you know, and so some of y'all, you went out soul this afternoon, I just went and sat at the feet of Jesus. You know, I just went and I, I prayed and I meditated, you know, laying down on my couch. You know, you know that, that, that's, kind of, that's, that's kind of how people are. But you notice how Jesus said Mary had chosen the good part. Okay? Now, why was it so important that she said the feet of Jesus? Well, here's why. Because Jesus was actually there in the flesh during that time. You ought to take advantage of that time. Mark 14, 6 says, And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble you her? She has wrought a good, wrought a good work of me. This is when the woman comes with the alabaster box. It costs a lot of money. And, and the, he said, for ye have the poor with you always. You had these spiritual people come along saying, you know, you should have given that money to feed the poor or to do, do something for the poor. Jesus said, ye have the poor with you always, but me, ye have not always. This was a special time that they were in where, you know, they wanted to take advantage of being able to serve Jesus in the flesh, be able to sit at the feet of Jesus and be in his presence. And there is a time and a place for everything. And... <clears throat> And there were certain things that needed to be done or did not need to be done while Jesus was on earth. But now that He's in heaven, priorities have changed a little bit. In Matthew 9.14, says, Then came to Him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall take, be taken from them, and then they shall fast. He's just saying, hey, there, there, sometimes there's, a, there's times for doing things and there's times for not doing things. You got to have some balance. You got to have some priorities in place. He's like, hey, the time's coming where they're going to be doing some fasting. But right now, I think one of the reasons Jesus didn't want them fasting is because Jesus had them so busy during that time. I mean, they're traveling all over the place preaching the gospel everywhere. The last thing he needs to do is send these people walking for miles and miles and miles, preaching like crazy, not having eaten anything. It, it, was, it was a bad time for that. So, you know, but you know, right now, okay, we don't, you know, I don't think God expects us to go soul winning seven days a week. Okay? You know, we've got our whole lives where we can soul win and we do it. We need to have a balanced life. We're supposed to be raising families, we're supposed to be providing for a family. There's a lot of things we're supposed to be doing, but because we're, you know, we're probably, you know, planning on living a full life, you know, not just doing a three year ministry like Jesus did, you know, we, we can make time to do some fasting. It's a lot easier for us to do these things now 
than when he was here. But there's going to be there's sometimes it's not good to do that. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense and it wouldn't be convenient. And, you know, right now, as believers, there are some very specific things that God has told us to do. And for us, and this is how we occupy till he comes. These are the things that we're supposed to be focusing on. And in this parable that we read in Luke, this parable is showing us that, hey, we are going to be judged based on what we did with what God gave us. There are some things that God has given us and he expects us to do something with them. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Let's look at some of these things and everybody knows, everybody knows what the Great Commission is. But it says in Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We should be spreading the gospel right now. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That is one of our, that is one of our main priorities right now, is spreading the gospel. Telling people how to get saved. And not only that, but also teaching them to observe all things. That's why we have church. We want to get people saved. After they get saved, we want to get them into the church. After When they get in the church, we want to train them. We want to teach them the things they're supposed to do. And then you know what we want to do? We want to get them going out and giving the Great Commission. When Jesus left, one of the things that He left us with is this Great Commission. We are going to be judged by that. We are going to be judged according to what we did with this. This is something God left with us. God left us the instructions for getting people saved. He left us a command to get people saved. And just like these men, they had to go stand before their master and show what they accomplished with that talent. We are going to have to do the same thing with God. And notice how he gave them you know, one, one talent and he got, came back with ten. Well, you know what? We all only have one soul, and God saved it, didn't He? And so how do we multiply that? Well, you know what we do? We go get more souls saved. And you know what? There's going to be some wicked servants that don't get anybody saved. That get, they get saved themselves, but they will never get anyone else saved. You realize those people are going to be sorry when Judgment Day comes. They're still saved. But they, unfortunately, are not reproducing They have not done anything with what God has given them. I think it's sad how many churches today are doing absolutely nothing with what God has given them. It's, it blows my mind how many churches are not sowing anymore. I I just can't believe it. I, I mean, I am, I am so shocked. One of the things that has just blown my mind the last few years, you know, for, for like five, five or six years, you know, we've just been, when we started church, we were over here in the church, just kind of, too busy with starting a church and working a job, you just kind of get cut off from everybody, you know. And we've always fellowshiped with churches and gone to meetings and things like that. We've always done that. When I was in my dad's church, I tried to go to a revival meeting or something at least once a month. If there was a special meeting going on, if it was within a couple hours, I'd be driving to it. I'd go to conferences. I'd go to all those things. Well, after we started the church, I just didn't really have time for as much of that stuff anymore. Well, then after, you know, a lot of... This, my preaching and stuff got out there on the internet. We started getting a lot of visitors. I, I couldn't believe how many people in five years, that five years ago, were soul winning, just aren't doing it anymore. It's just, it's just gone. Like, well, when did this happen? You know, when did fundamental Baptists just decide soul winning is not important anymore? I mean, it really shocked me. They're doing nothing with it. They are... You know, at best, just going out, passing out flyers. I had these one people that came. Their pastor, I mean, his church started out great. He would knock on doors like crazy when they started that church. They said once a year they go out and they pass out flyers for some kids' things they do. They go out and just leave flyers on doors. That's all they're doing. They don't realize they've been they have been commissioned by God to spread the gospel. What are they going to say when they stand before God? Well, Lord, we we pass out. We put tracks on doors. We play ding dong ditch. You know, you know, you, you ring, you ring. Some they don't even play ding dong ditch. They sneak up there, put on the door, run. That's it. Uh, that, that, they don't, they don't even, they don't even try. And I don't know. I, I personally don't think God's gonna be that impressed with that because here's the thing. You know, how many people are you getting saved with that? 
You know, they, they're not doing anything with it. You know, they'll have a church of a hundred people. And if they get a hundred people saved in a year, they're thrilled about that. You know how many churches there are that have hundreds of people and they don't even get a hundred people saved in a year? How, how is that possible? It's because they don't go soul winning. That, that's all there is to it. They're not, they're not reproducing and these churches wonder why they're getting smaller and smaller. They wonder why they're losing a lot of their good people. They wonder why they're losing a lot of their soul winners. Maybe it's because God is just given the talents that they did have someone else early. Even before Judgment Day. You know, they're discouraging. The, the soul winners in the church are getting discouraged because nothing's going on. And God, you know, so God ends up moving them on somewhere else so they can produce some fruit. I, I personally believe that's what's going on. But we are, we are, we, part of us occupying till He comes it's spreading the gospel. We're not supposed to stop doing it. We're supposed to do it till he comes. Well, but what do people do? Well, people just aren't receptive. You know, they're not receptive. People aren't interested in that. Okay, I understand that, but you know, the Bible doesn't say, hey, we're responsible for them getting saved, not getting saved. Both, we're just responsible for getting the gospel to them. So what are you doing? Since you're not door knocking anymore, since you've figured out that door knocking doesn't work, can you please tell me what you're doing? That's what they told at Faith Baptist and Sterling, the pastor over there, he told me door knocking lost its effectiveness in this area years ago. So that's what he told me. And I'm thinking, we're in this, we're in the same town, buddy. And our church is doing fine with it. We're seeing people saved. You know, we we get we get visitors regularly. Most people in our church are because we knock their door. What's he talking about? But you know, the only thing I've ever seen them do. When we moved to the area, we got like a postcard in the mail. You know, they send it to new residents and stuff like that. You know, that it's amazing too. You know, the amount of money some of these churches will spend on mailers. They'll spend a lot of money because they're just so late. You know, they're way too lazy to get out and walk themselves. You know how many flyers we could pass out? If we just went and put flyers on doors, you know, one person can do quite a few in an hour. I mean, we could get a ton of flyers out there and it would only be the cost of the flyers. But these people, they spend all this money on it doing mailers. Why? Because it's easy. You know, maybe we've never done that because we've just been too poor for all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, and, and I'm not saying you can't send out mailers. But the thing is, I don't think God's going to be impressed when you stand before him and he says, what did you do with that great commission? Oh, well, we sent out a mailer. You know, with a trendy, we sent out a trendy looking prose card. You know, we had, made sure we had racially diverse people on the front of it to show that we're welcome to everybody, you know, and, you know, we, we, we made everything look hip and up to date, you know, come connect with us and, uh, you know, be a part of our life groups. And I don't think God's going to be impressed with that. I, I really don't. I, I think that he's going to be very disappointed, but that is how we occupy. We got to get out there. We got to do like they did. We got to go door to door. And listen, if, if you want to send out mailers, fine. If somebody here wants to say, I'll donate money. So we can send mailers to everybody in Rock Falls. Hey, great. All right. But don't think you've you know, created a substitute for soul winning. And let me tell you something about these churches I know. And I get the prayer letters from these guys. They planted churches and they're doing that. They are spending all the money on these mailers. They're having churches. You know, they're, they're asking for money from churches to help them raise the money to send out these mailers. And you know what? Their churches are not doing good. Their churches don't have any money coming in. They don't have any people coming in. They're not getting people saved. That's just, it doesn't work. Okay? And people, you know, I, I think that's what a lot of them are going to have to say when they stand before God. You know, so what did you do with that great commission? Well, you know, Lord, I went to Idea Day and I went with all the skinny jean preachers and I let them, you know, tell me all these new innovative ways to get the gospel out. You know, and, and unfortunately they just didn't work. Well, you know what? That's their fault. That's your fault for not doing what God said to do. But everybody wants to find that easy way. Turn to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 13. This is basically uh, the same thing it's talking about here. I'm not going to read uh, the whole passage. But, you know, this is the parable of the talents. And, you know, he says there, Watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And on the one he gave five talents. Okay, basically the same thing right here. 
He's gone to this far country. The Lord is gone right now. He gave these talents, and I know a talent, it's a weight. You know, a talent is a, is a reference to money. But you know what? I think we could take this too and apply it to our talents in our modern language, our abilities. And you know, you ought to, one of these days, I believe we're going to stand before God and He's going to bring up some of the gifts and the abilities we had. And He's going to ask, hey, what did you do with those things? You know, hey, I gave you a good singing voice. What did you do with that? I gave you a good speaking voice. I gave you the ability. I, you know, I gave you all these abilities. Hey, I gave you. I gave you brains. You know, some, I think some people. Some people are smarter than others. I think some people are born smart and talented. I, I think. I think some people are just clearly gifted. Some people have to work at it. But it's like some people, man. I, I do. I think they were just born smart. It's like it's not fair, right? You know. And I. And I. You know. God does. God gives everybody different talents, different gifts. But the question is, what are we doing with those? Are you just using it all for yourself? Oh, God, give you the ability to make money? Great. What are you doing with that money? Are you using it all on yourself? Or are you doing something for His kingdom? Okay? Because in these parables too, you know, He's talking about the kingdom. Well, how do we build up God's kingdom? We do it with people, don't we? We do it with souls. Alright? We do not build up God's kingdom by us building a palace of a building, which is what a lot of churches are doing today. And I'm not against buildings. I'm not against building things as long as these things are tools that will help us just serve God more effectively. But I'm, I'm telling you, some of these palaces that they're building, I don't think it's helping them serve God more effectively. I think all it's doing is making it where they have to sugarcoat the message so they can continue paying their mortgage and you know keep the Mr. Moneybags happy. And that's another sermon for another day. But I think we are going to give an account. What did you do with those abilities? You know, there's some people that have poor health. There's some people that have good health. And yet these people with good health, you can't get them out walking the streets. You can't get them out knocking doors. You can't get them doing any of these things. And God's going to ask us, hey, you know, I, I gave you that energy. I gave you that health. There's people out there. They've got all these disabilities. They've got all these things where they cannot do the things that other people can. And here I went and I blessed you with all this health, I gifted you with all these things. What did you do with those gifts? We're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account for those things. And you've got to better ask yourself, hey, what do I have? What do I have to work with? And you know what? If you're not doing anything for God, you, know, you better start looking real close. All right? Pretend. Have you ever been there before? I'm sure everybody's been there before. Where you, know, you were looking at your checkbook. And you were looking at all that needed to be done. You're thinking, how can I stretch this? You know, how can I make this work? And you're trying to find out, all right, do I, do I have money any place? Is that, you know, what can I take? You know, what can I sell? What can I steal? You know, I mean, what, what, you know, what, you know, you, you, you know, you're kind of panicking, right? Because you're like, hey, I've got a responsibility to pay these bills. What do I have to work with? And sometimes it's a struggle because you don't have much to work with. But you know what? As Christians, we have been commissioned to do some things. And just doing nothing is not okay. These things are, are required of us. We are stewards. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We're supposed to be faithful in that. And God has commanded us to do some things. And if we feel like we are not able to do these things, we need to ask ourselves why. Okay, when you're not able to pay your bills... You know, you should hopefully are asking yourself, okay, why? I must be spending too much money, you know, and then maybe you need to start canceling the cable and canceling the cell phone or whatever it is. You know, you got to say, I've got to get, obviously get rid of some things because I don't have enough to pay the bills, to take care of the necessities. Well, if you're not taking care of the necessities as a Christian and you feel like you're not able, you realize it's because you have too much other junk piled up in your life. You've taken those talents, you've taken that, your physical energy, your physical ability, and you're obviously wasting it on something else. God's not going to be okay with that. You know, and it's this, and you hear me harp about this all the time. You have these people that say, I haven't got time for this. Everybody has the same amount of time. 24 hours in the day for everybody. What does that mean? It means these people are, when they say, I haven't got time, it means they're being bad stewards of their time. It means they are wasting what God has given them. It means someday when they stand before God and they give an account of their stewardship, 
He's, he's going to see that they wasted their time. And he's not going to be okay with that. You know, he, he's not, he's not going to, he's not going to give you a pass. And so we need to be using our talents and our abilities for him. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 8. Another thing I believe God wants us to do, God wants us to be laying up treasures in heaven. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. We had a people here, they were in deep poverty, and they, Bible says, they were liberal with their giving. They had great liberality with their giving. They had to talk Paul into taking it. Have you ever had to try to talk me into taking your offering before? Alright, that's never happened before. Okay? And I don't know too many preachers that have ever, like, tried to stop somebody from giving an offering. But these people, part of it was because they were so poor. I mean, they're like, they, they had to, they had to pretty much force him to take their gift. They wanted to go and they wanted to minister to those saints, those poor saints in Jerusalem, I believe is who he was talking about. And they were just liberal in their giving. And, he, and Paul said they did above their power. In other words, since these people did everything they were able to do, you know what? God stepped in and God helped them do even more. And one of the reasons we don't see God do great things today is because of the fact we're not even doing what we can do. Well, if we're not even doing what we can do, why would God do anything? We know what God wants us to do. God wants to do everything we can do. And then when He sees us doing everything we can do, then now God will get involved and He'll add to it. And He'll cause us to be able to do even more than what we should be able to do. But God wants us laying up treasures in heaven. You say, why? You know, I need my treasures now. Because in heaven, we're not going to be hungry. You know, in heaven, we're not going to have to worry about getting foreclosed on or anything like that. Why do we need to lay up treasures in heaven you know, where there's streets of gold. And honestly, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't, I don't know what we're going to need those treasures for in heaven. I, 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 I've thought about that before. You know, really, why do we need a lot of those treasures? We're obviously not going to have pride issues in heaven. Right now, I could see why I would like to have a lot of those treasures so I could point at everybody else and say, hey, look at all I got. What'd you get? All right. But I'm not going to be that way in heaven. So I, I shouldn't do it for that reason. So why do we lay up treasures in, in heaven? I mean, I think the reason Jesus gave you, He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think it will help us have... But once again, the whole motivation of that is because we're better off having it in heaven than here. Why? I don't know. I, maybe you've got a better answer than I do on that. But here's the thing. God wants us to lay up treasures in heaven, so you know we should probably do that. I, I don't need to know why. I should probably just go ahead and do it. I should probably make that my focus. I'm pretty sure I'll be glad I did. I'll pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that if I sacrifice some treasures here on earth so I can lay up treasures in heaven, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be glad I did. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to regret that. So we should just go ahead and do it. We ought to be laying up treasures in heaven. While we are here on this earth, God wants us to be increasing what we have, not just here on earth, but in heaven. God wants us to be doing something with it. Matthew six nineteen is where he said, you know, or, uh, Matthew 6 is where he said, lay up for yourself or lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust are corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. The things we lay up in this earth are temporary. They don't last. We've not been called to accumulate things on this earth and to just, you know, build up things and have the treasures and all those. That's not what we've been called to do, but we have been called to do that in heaven. And now is our time to do that. Well, I'll worry about it in the millennial reign. No, now is the time we do that. Right now is the time we're to be laying up treasures in heaven. This is part of occupying till He comes. We are not just sitting sitting around reading our Bibles, waiting for Him to come back. Okay? It's not just... A, and here's how a lot of people are. And there, there's, once again, these super spiritual people. And I, and I say that sarcastically. That all they want to do, all they want to do is focus on their relationship with Christ. You know, I don't want to go to church because it affects my relationship with Christ because I got to deal with all the knuckleheads, you know, in the church. You know, and I'm sick of some of these people too calling me and 
wanted to talk to me about just all the horrible churches in their area that they are all just too good for. And it's like, yeah, I can tell from talking to you for five minutes that you're not too good for these churches. You know, but it, it, it's amazing how great some people think they are. I, like, I just, I just want to focus on my relationship with Christ. And listen, it's important that we focus on our relationship with Christ. It's important that we read our Bibles. But you all understand there's a reason. There is a very good earthly reason why we should have a good relationship with Christ. Here's why. If we have a good relationship with Christ, it will help us be in the Spirit, which will help us win more souls, which will help us be more effective. You know, there's a reason that we're supposed to be reading our Bibles and in prayer is so we will know how to give an answer to every man. It's not just so you can sit in your house and feel good and feel more spiritual than everybody. The, re- the, reason, this is the reason we read our Bible, the reason we go to church and we get to preaching and all these things is not so we can just charge up our spiritual batteries and feel good. It's so we can charge up our spiritual batteries and go out and do the things that it means to occupy. The things that He commanded us to do. So, yes, we ought to be re- reading your Bible but some people, it's like they read their Bible so they can just, you know, win arguments. They read their Bible so they can feel more spiritual than other people. They're not reading their Bible so they can make sure they win that next soul. I've been there before where I've had the people ask the questions where I didn't have a good answer for it. You know, it's like, man, I, I don't want that to happen again. And whenever that happens, first thing I do, I go, I go study that. Next time somebody asks me that, I'm going to be ready. I'm not going to lose somebody on that any anymore. I'm going to get that figured out. I'm going to get that passage nailed down. And so we've got to understand these things that we're doing, whether it be, you know, no matter what it is, they, the mentality ought to be, I'm doing this so it will help me do more for God. I'm doing this to help us occupy till He comes. I'm, I'm thankful for this church building we have, but I don't ever want us to become one of these churches that's so caught up in our building and building buildings that we're pretty much worthless when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because our, our church building here, all right, the how nice it is and all that kind of stuff, it, it does not affect the kingdom. Okay? So why do we worry about it? Why do we take care of it? Because it is something we need in the meantime. We do, you know, especially in the wintertime, do we want to meet outside in the wintertime? Absolutely not. Good luck getting visitors to come out to have service in the park in the wintertime. We want to take care of this building because we don't want it falling down and getting condemned. And then us have to go rent someplace. We're going to be paying a zillion dollars a month to rent it. We've been very blessed to be able to purchase a building dirt cheap where we have a mortgage that's about a third, is about a third the cost of renting a junky little storefront. You know, that, that's great. So we're going to take care of this place, not because, you know, this building is our priority, but because of the fact that, hey, if we're not spending, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month on rent, hey, that's more money we can spend. Spread the gospel. We can focus on those things that are more important. Hey, that, you know, some people have to do that. Some people have to spend the big bucks just to rent a place. Okay. And if you have to do that, you have to do that. But at the same time, you know, we don't want that to just be draining all our resources and be what we're all about. We don't want to be like a lot of these old IFB churches where all they're trying to do is just build buildings and build palaces and all these things to just kind of make a name for themselves and have the most notice, noticeable building in town and those things. That, that's not what we're all about. We're wanting to lay up treasures in heaven and how nice this building is is not going to affect our treasures in heaven. But us being responsible and frugal and taking care of the place and just doing simple maintenance and stuff like that, that kind of thing, it is, it's saving us money. And we have, we have saved a fortune in us buying this building and taking care of it the way we have. We have, we have saved a fortune. I know one guy, uh, a friend of mine started his church. He was spending over two grand a month to rent a storefront for, and he did that for about four or five years, spent over $2,000 a month renting a storefront. When he started the church, he spent fifteen grand just getting it looking like a church on the inside there. And then later, you know, it filled up and they expanded to this other section. And I don't know how much they spent on that. I mean, probably the same thing or more. So I mean, we're talking at least thirty grand that they spent fixing up a storefront, 
plus the 2000 a month for all those years to uh, just rent the place. And then somebody gave them a building later. And now they didn't have the 2000 a month. But you know what? All that money that they spent during that time, it's all gone. We spent $45,000 on this place. They spent more than that renting that place and fixing it up. So, you know, you, you, you do think, some, sometimes people have no choice. I'm not saying he did anything stupid. I don't think there was anything wrong with what he did. That was his only option. But, we, you know, we're going to do things in the most frugal way possible that saves the most money so we're not wasting our time working on buildings and accumulating stuff that has no eternal value. We want to be able to focus on souls. And so, uh, look over at uh, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. So we're going to lay up treasures in heaven, not just as a church, as, as individuals. This is what you need to do. As individuals, you need to individually be laying up treasures in heaven. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. We have a very clear command in the Bible that we are supposed to be loving the brethren. We're not just supposed to be loving God. Uh, you know, he's not the only, we're supposed to love the brethren too. You got a lot. Of, once again, you have a lot of these super spiritual people. They want to sit, uh, just sit around focusing on their love for God. But you know what? God wants us loving the brethren. He wants us loving each other. He wants us encouraging each other. He wants us provoking each other to love and good works. In Matthew chapter twenty-five. He also, uh, you know, he gives that example too about the people that stand before this and he's going to say, you know, I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. We read that passage in Sunday school this morning. I'm not going to read that whole passage again. But they're going to say, you know, Lord, when did we do this? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. You all understand that one of our responsibilities as Christians, one of the ways that we are to occupy as individuals is we're supposed to be loving each other. Why is that? Because of the fact that this command to occupy, it's to everybody. But has anybody ever gotten discouraged in doing what you're supposed to do before? Has anybody felt like just throwing in the towel and giving up, surrendering, retreating? Okay, that command that's been given to me, it's the same one that's been given to you. And sometimes we need, to, we need help in that area. We need help occupying till He comes. So one of the things that we're supposed to be doing... We're supposed to be encouraging one another. We're supposed to be lifting each other up. We're supposed to be loving one another. We're supposed to be visiting each other when we're sick. Just whatever we can do to encourage each other. Part of my, the way I occupy is me staying faithful. And part of what will help, part of my job, part of my occupation is to help my brethren stay faithful. And then hopefully in return, they're going to help me. Some days, you know, I'm fired up, ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to do it all by myself. Some days, I'm not. Some days, I'd like that encouragement. I would like that, that little bit of help. We all need that sometimes. So we've got to get busy doing that. And once again, some of these people too, they don't go to church. They sit around just watching, you know, they watch sermons online. Well, I'm getting plenty from it. You know, I'm learning from it. Well, yeah, but... You're not helping me by just watching my sermon online. You know, you're not you're not helping anybody in our church by watching the sermon online. Why don't you get into a church and everybody wants to talk about all their imperfections? Well, man, I try not to be deceiving and try to put on a false front on what we do online, but you know what? I hope nobody's got any idea that we're a perfect church. You know, and everything's just, you know, nobody's got any issues here. It's like everybody thinks that because I preach certain things, you know, or against certain, you know, nobody in my church has that issue. Hey, the reason I preach on a lot of these things is because <laughs> y'all have these issues and that's why they need to be addressed. Why do you, why do you preach on so much sin? Because there's so much of it in our church. You know, so got to try to get it out of everybody, you know, and got to try to, uh, got to try to straighten everybody out. You know, I'm trying to encourage each other because they're supposed to be occupying. They should, and so, you know, they're not supposed to have all the sin in their life. They need to be a clean vessel. They need to be doing something for God. So I'm trying to provoke unto love and good works. Trying to, I'm trying to motivate 
each other, and we need to be loving the brethren and taking care of each other. That is part of our occupation. That is how we occupy. And so, uh, turn over to Acts chapter 6. Actually, there's a, there's a lot of things we can cover. I'm just kind of hitting some things just to try to help us get a, get, get a, uh, a proper mindset on these things. Because often we do. We just, we get our priorities get out of whack. But it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Alright? What does that mean when it says the word of God increased? It just means, you know, they were like writing new scriptures. Alright? Now I know Paul and stuff was writing during that time. But increasing the word of God, it doesn't mean just adding to the scriptures. It means it, more of it was being taught and more of it was being followed. Y'all get that? The way, one of the things that we need to be doing as believers is increasing the word of God. That means if people are going to be doing what the Bible teaches, they've got, it's got to be taught, right? And isn't that what Jesus said in the Great Commission? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And I'm not going to go into all the scriptures. I preached a whole message on this a long time ago about increasing the Word of God. But we need to understand one thing that we need to do as a church, the way that we can increase the Word of God in this community is by one, us keeping the commandments of God. Okay? Our community will get credit for that. Y'all realize, you know, we help preserve our community by being saved, don't we? You know, we are the salt of the earth. Okay, there are, and the, if we are being obedient to the commands, if we are living good, clean, moral lives, that kind of thing increases. And you know, just like sin, you know, often rubs off on other people, well, so does doing right. And we ought to be that right, uh, be the one doing the right, contributing in that area. Okay, one area where I would say the Word of God has been increased since we started this church is in the area of soul winning. Nobody was soul winning when we came out here, unless you want to call Jehovah's Witnesses what they do soul winning, and Mormons. When we came out here, the Jehovah's Witnesses, we saw them all the time. Now, I mean, it's like a Bigfoot sighting to see a Jehovah's Witness. They're they're still around. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we saw one, uh, that was last week, we saw one going into the one apartments. I was like, I think that's a Jehovah's Witness. There was a lady in a skirt going inside one of the apartments. There was a lady there that obviously is friendly, but um, and so they're just they go back to the places where it's friendly and they try to spend do all their time there. And they do they go to some of the easy places. But I'm t- I'm not seeing them anymore. I'm, I'm hardly seeing them all. When we started, we didn't have near as many people going out soul winning as we do now, and it seemed like every Saturday we could not go out without running into Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, just one time we went to three different places and the Jehovah's Witnesses had already been there. Now, I, I never see their stuff. I used to see their materials on doors all the time. I was like, how are these people covering so much ground? We don't hardly see them anymore. The Jehovah's Witness building in Sterling, they closed down. They had to merge with Dixon. I thank God for that. I told the first time a Jehovah's Witness came to our house when we were living at the first house there in Sterling, first time he came over, I told him, I said, the day is coming when you guys are going to knock on doors and people are going to think you're the Baptist. Because I told him, I said, I hate how when we knock on doors, everybody thinks we're Jehovah's Witnesses. And he just kind of loud. He's like, huh, I doubt that. So just wait. You know, just wait. And you know what? That's the case now. I've knocked on two Jehovah's Witnesses' doors in the last, in the last month. And I love it. I love knocking on their doors. Somebody else, did, Aaron, didn't you knock on one? Or? Yeah, yeah. He just, he just knocked on the door. We're starting to harass the Jehovah's Witnesses. I love it. That is, that is awesome. Okay? That's new. And God's blessing. We have, we have seen many people saved since, we, since we've been out here. The Word of God is increasing. And, you know, and even you, if you're coming to this church and you're doing more things right than you were when you started coming here, that is the Word of God increasing. These things, the things that you learned here and you're now taking those things and you're putting them in your life and you're obeying them, that's the Word of God increasing. The people that have started reading their Bible, you know, that kind of thing, that is the Word of God increasing. We're supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to uh, get more and more of these commands being followed. 
And so we teach these things here and then we encourage each other to do these things. And that is part of our job. And we're going to keep we need to keep doing that until I mean, yeah, we're driving the Jehovah's Witnesses crazy. We need to be doing it to the point when pretty soon there are going to be stickers on houses saying no Baptist visits. All right. We've seen those with the no Jehovah's Witness visits. Uh, you know, pretty soon they're going to have, to, you know, they're going to be putting those up with the Baptist. You know, and that that's what needs to happen. That's what not that I want to get rid of us just because we're just doing so much because the word of God is increasing so much. That's what needs to take place. Let's turn over to Revelation chapter 14. It's like, well, listen, I, I'm, I'm tired of it. You know, I'm, you know, can't we just take a break sometime? And remember what I said. There, there's a time and a place for everything. There is a time that sometimes we do. Sometimes we need to just retreat a little bit. Not in the sense of retreat and, and running, but sometimes you do. Sometimes you need to go charge your batteries. Okay? It's good. All right? It's good to go to a conference. You know, I'm going to a conference this week. And that conference will be refreshing. Okay? It will be a time, but you know, here's the thing about you know new IFB conferences is they're not really retreats because a lot of soul winning gets done during those. I mean, a lot gets done when we get together. But either way, even though we're going to do a lot and a lot's going to get accomplished, you know, it's going to it's going to be refreshing. It's going to charge the batteries, and sometimes it's okay. Our family's going to take a vacation. Sometimes you know it's okay to take a vacation to take some time and rest and relax. But why do we do this? Okay. We do these things to kind of charge our batteries to get us ready so we can go do more. Because you know what? Vacation is going to end and we're going to be right back at it. You know, we're going, to, we're going to get busy again. And it's like many people, they're trying to get to the point where they can take it easy. And that's how it is in a lot of churches today. A lot of pastors, it's like they, they want to get their church to where it's like, you know, especially church planners. It's like the goal is get it where it's self-supported, where there's enough people there, enough people coming in, that uh, church bills are getting paid and the preacher's getting paid. And it's like, if we could just get there, you know, then we can just kind of relax a little bit. No, that's not time to relax. You know, we ought to be constantly increasing, okay? When our church is to the point where I'm full-time, that doesn't mean good. I get to quit my job at Walmart now and take it easy. No, now I need to be doing even more because I'm getting paid a full-time salary. Now we're going to do even more. Well, if we do more work, there's going to be more people coming. You know, it, it's, it, it actually creates more work. Do you realize getting more people in the church creates more work? You know, one day I went into the, one day I went into the hospital and I bit to visit four different people. It was a blessing. They were all there at the same time. But I remember, I mean, I, and, and, you know, on one day I had four different people in the hospital to go visit. I was just like, good night, you know? But that's part of as you start reaching more people. You know, you have you have more of that stuff. I don't see that as a bad thing. When I first came out here, I remember the first time I had to go do a hospital visit from somebody here. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm like a real pastor now. I'm doing a hospital visit for for somebody for somebody in the church. You know, it, it made me feel really good getting that first one. But um, you know, it, it, it's going to create more work. It's going to create more drama. You know, there, there's all these. It's more people are going to have to get thrown out every now and then. You know, there's there, there's there's more of those things. That's fine. You know, that, that, that's part of it. But he, here's the thing. When it comes to that break, that rest, you know, when do we just kind of get to let up and lighten up? Well, Revelation 14, verse 12 says, Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So notice what it says there. You know, when do we rest from our labors? When we're dead. Y'all see that? When we're dead. It's either when we're dead or, or, verse 14, and I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud sat one like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap for the time has come for thee to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat in the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. Right there, that is, that's symbolic of the rapture. The first angel reaps a harvest, gathers us up, and then another angel reaps and he, they cast all of them into the 
great winepress of the fierceness of his wrath, that's symbolic of the wrath of God. So, when do we get to take our break? When do we get to rest? Not now. Right now we're occupying. We're occupying till He comes. We've got to be busy right now. We've got to be accomplishing things. We need to be doing something for Him. And when we die, we can quit. Alright? That, that's when you can, you can quit when you die. Or when the rapture comes, then you're done. And you know what? You'll be able to rest from your labors. And here's the thing. And your works do follow you. You know what that means? It means there's going to be a payday. There's going to be a payday. Listen. You know, sometimes I hate, you know, at the distribution center, I hate, my, I hate that job sometimes. I only do that job for one reason. The payday. That's it. It's the only, only reason I do it. I don't like waiting two weeks sometimes. Sometimes it's like, man, you know, just, I hate this job so much. You know, sometimes I wish I could get the immediate rewards. <laughs> you know, you just collect it every day at the end of the day. That would motivate me a little more. It'd probably motivate me to work an extra hour or something too. Just, you know, if I knew I was going to get it right then. But when it's two weeks away, you're just like, eh, who cares? <laughs> you're just, you just want to get out of there. Right? The truth is, you know, on those long days and those long weeks where you work those extra hours, where you work that overtime, as much as that stinks, you're always glad you did it when payday comes, aren't you? Aren't you always glad to see that overtime on the paycheck? It stunk while you were working it, but it was great when you got the paycheck. And you know what? Sometimes working on this earth, we feel like we're working overtime. We feel like we're really you know, putting in the hours and we're just wore out and tired. But you know what? The payday is coming. Your works do follow you. And so until then, you know what? No, no, no going into retirement. No giving up. No, no quitting. This is busy time. All right? This isn't time to sit around and just be spiritual and sit at the feet of Jesus. We can sit at His feet in the millennium. We can sit at His feet in eternity. Right now, we need to take some time to meditate, to pray, and to be close to Him so it will help us go out there and do more for Him. Because this is, this is working time. This is working time, vacation time, resting time. It's coming after we're dead. Until then, keep on going for the Lord. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We just pray You'll help us, Lord, to occupy till You come. We pray You'll help us to just evaluate some things in our life. Help us to uh, look at what You've given us and help us to put it to use, dear God, and help us to do great things uh, with it. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's